March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Predict winners in each round of the MyBookie Bracket Contest for a chance to win a Bitcoin, a Doodle NFT, currently valued at over $50,000, and over $100,000 more in cash prizes. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today with MyBookie and use promo code BOUNDS to make your first deposit, earning a free entry into the My Bracket Contest. Selections for the bracket will officially begin on March 13th and close March 17th at noon Eastern. So make sure you get your deposit in now with Bounds to secure the free entry. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Support for the show comes from MyBookie.ag. Get a free entry in the MyBookie Bracket Challenge by using promo code BOUNDS at MyBookie.ag. The Out of Bounds Show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your auto and home. Save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent in any of the 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. Off and running. Another week, Sports Talk Radio with our friend Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. Lugs joins us on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. Good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm go. I'm doing well, man. I can't believe it. So I've got Missouri's spring game this weekend, and oh. I, started, I was coming back from a camp I was coaching in Dallas this past week, and I came back last night, and I'm like, how awesome is it that we're already doing college football? Like I got a spring game next Saturday. I love it. Like how great is that, right? I love it. Yeah. Wow, they started early. Fired up. Yeah, I think what's happening is a lot of these teams and you know, I've talked to various coaches over the last couple of years and how they've started to kind of change things around and either get things banged out before spring break and not having to split up, you know, spring football some of before spring break, then after. They're just kind of going early. And then I think a lot of them too, Bo, feel like you know, the earlier we go, if for some reason, God forbid, we had a, you know, a catastrophic injury or a Absolutely. big injury to somebody, you know, we buy ourselves an extra six weeks. You know, yeah. that's not a bad line of thinking. No, no, it's not at all. That's nuts. Missouri this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, so I, this perfect lead in for what I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk Lane Kiffin and <laughs> okay. the fact that uh, he reinvented himself at Alabama and Florida Atlantic. And we had you on when Ole Miss hired him, and a lot of people didn't like the hire, and a lot of people did. You were one of the ones that did. Now, here's what's fascinating to me about Lane. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's really, really, really good at what he's really good at. And what I mean by that right. is, you know, I mean – QB, schematically, play calling, getting the offensive, got matching up or mismatches, creating mismatches, and so on. Now, yeah. the word that we get to is he's not real interested in recruiting. Um, and really, his hiring is, is fascinating to me because I'm told there's someone in-house that takes the bulk of this for Lane, runs analytics, kind of identifies what they need in all 10 spots. I think, and I don't know this for sure, Tom, 
but I think it's a guy named Austin Thomas who's their chief of staff. But yeah, I know I, Austin well. Okay, I did. I yeah. wasn't sure. And yeah, used and to be at LSU. Uh, okay, and so they yep. there seems to be this belief that Austin handles the bulk of the heavy lifting, and then I'm sure there's some conversations and communication and so on as as it all unfolds. But when you get a really good chief of staff that can handle that, boy, how valuable is that in the world of college football today compared to 10, 20-plus years ago, Tom? Well, you know what? Let me, let me start off answering that question by answering the first part of what you asked about You know, the hire, and some people didn't like it, and some people did like it. I think for the people that didn't like it, those people don't understand how smart he is. See, we can talk all we want about X's and O's, and we can talk about coaching. And we'll get, he's actually extremely bright, like extremely bright, football bright, people bright. So I think that gives him some advantages because that leaks into other areas like you're talking about. What has happened over the last 10 to 12 years, and it's really Nick Saban that, that created this, is – Coach Saban put everybody in a position to play catch-up when it came to the in-house infrastructure of the term recruiting actually getting relabeled into player evaluation, okay? Because there's a difference between the two, all right? You're recruiting, all right? You're going out, you're pursuing, you're chasing, you're texting, you're calling, you're doing in-home visits, you're out on the road in the spring, You've got on-campus visits. All right, you're recruiting. You're recruiting that kid. But identification, player evaluation, and that whole process, that's different than recruiting. That comes first, okay? And so what Nick Saban in Alabama had done is they essentially set up their, their in-house player evaluation and, and created a mini model of what the NFL is when it comes to college and pro scouting. All right, well, in order to do that, you have to have tremendous resources in terms of financial stability when it comes to staffing because you have to have bodies. You have to have eyes. You have to have student workers. You have to constantly be ahead, running ahead of where the coaches are in player evaluation so that you're identifying, getting all of this stuff out of the way so that when it finally gets to the coach, all of the legwork, all of the busy work, all of the weeding out of guys that can't play, that's already been done. See, in the old days, the coaches had to do all that too. They had to coach, they had to identify, they had to figure out who they wanted to go after, who they didn't want to go after. Now what's happened, Bo, and I, would, I, I know Austin Thomas and I know Ole Miss and a variety of other schools have had to commit to this because they're trying to, to keep up and they've invested a lot of resources. Now what you're doing is you're getting together with all your coaches and you're saying, okay, linebackers coach, okay, secondary coach, okay, quarterback coach, what are our set of critical factors? So, for example, if you say you need A, B, C, D, and E and you do not want F, G, H, K, L, O, I need to know that so when I'm weeding through all of these guys, I now know what I'm looking for and what I'm trying to avoid. So now all of a sudden, when you bring that to the coach, all the legwork's been done. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on the same page. So if Lane Kiffin chooses, because I, I actually, 
I don't believe the notion that he's not into recruiting. I think he's very much into recruiting. Really? I think, yes, I do. But I think he's very much into recruiting when it comes to the actual face-to-face with the player. Okay. Now you may be 100% correct when he's delegated and said, okay, this is how we want to go about doing it. This is what I want brought to me. But then when it's actually brought to him, I do think he's invested in recruiting. And, um, and, and to me, I think. But not at the day, level of, all right, I'm asking you this question. Yeah. But, but yeah. Is, he, is he invested at the level of like Saban and Kirby Smart just wearing out the phones? Tom? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you know what? Those guys are unicorns, man. I mean, it's hard to find, you know, there's 130 head coaches at the FBS level and a lot of, most of them, the vast majority of them don't have the resources to do that even if they wanted to. And the ones that do do that that way without resources are going to burn themselves out real fast because they're going to, you're constantly fighting an uphill battle. But I, I do think that he works at it. I do think he values it. I do believe that he knows that players trump plays that it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Um, and, and listen, we, let's take a look at, look at Steve Sarkeesian, right? Steve Sarkeesian went from being a guru to having one season at Texas, and overnight he's automatically an idiot. <laughs> right? Uh, now, why is that? Did he all of a sudden take stupid pills? Does he all of a sudden not know how to align guys, not know how to create matchups? No. He doesn't have Alabama's players. Period. Right. And so I think that Lane Kiffin acknowledges that. He knows we got to have players. Now, there's a bunch of different ways to skin a cat. You can hire a staff where you sit there and say, you know what, we're going to get two veteran coordinators, and those coordinators are going to coach on their side of the ball. And then all of our other guys are going to be young, up-and-coming grinders that are dialed into the social media side, dialed into the phones, dialed into the text messages, we're going to get them out there, and they are going to go out, and they're going to recruit their tails off. We'll tell them what to coach, but their priority is to go get players, mm-hmm. period. And, and I'll, I'll say this. I think the great programs in college football, the really, really good ones, they don't start off their day with a, a football meeting or a coaches meeting or a meeting on their own team. They start every day with a recruiting meeting. Mm. Every day starts looking at that board, there's going to be a group of GAs or some administrative assistants. They're going to come in. They're going to hand the head coach the social media reports from the day before. What I mean by that is every single thing these kids are doing on social media is getting monitored 24-7. They post a sketchy video. They post vulgar language. They post vulgar music. They post themselves doing something they shouldn't be doing. It's going to every head coach's desk every single day saying, this is what Johnny Smith did. On social media, does he fit in with us? Do we want this? Do we want to deal with this, right? I speak to kids. I did it yesterday in Dallas in front of 200 kids. All of them are bona fide, power five, group of five level players. And I told each and every one of them, I said, do yourself a favor. Think twice before you press send. Yeah. Because the moment it goes on the internet, it stays there forever. You, you might think you deleted it. You didn't. Somebody screenshotted it. It will come back to haunt you. And these kids don't always think – they think they're always being evaluated. College kids are the same. They always think they're being evaluated on how they play. Really what they're being evaluated on is their conduct. Yes. Because the coaches can watch how they play. That part's easy. 
but it's what they're doing publicly. That's really what they're being evaluated on because that's reflective of your family name, your character, the decisions that you're going to make. And are you going to then make those decisions on our campus? And, and sometimes kids need to be reminded that, you know, it's kind of like being Spider-Man, right, Bo? With great power comes great responsibility. Well, these 16 and 17-year-old kids now started to garner a lot of power, and they don't all know how to deal with it. No. And it can become very, very dangerous. Sure. I mean, 40-year-old businessmen and surgeons don't. So, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.